Hey now, hey now, everybody, we're back. We're back again two days after we did the live debrief. We're here for your regularly scheduled programming of a weekly episode of the Unita Horror Podcast, because if we don't do it, Christian gets bombarded with, did you quit? Did you finally kick Nick to the curb? Did you wise up? Uh, <laughs> here we are. Uh, we Christian wanted to get controversial tonight, but before we get into that, Christian... How's it hanging? It's going good. I had some unfortunate events take place. So yesterday, um, I let the dog. I was off work yesterday and uh, and today, obviously. Yesterday, Sydney comes home for lunch. I sit down. You know, she started working at the t-shirt shop again. I don't know if I told you this, Nick, but long story short, she quit because I she found out she found out that some new people got hired on after and they were getting paid more. She called me up upset. I said, well, go talk to your boss and, you know, go talk to your boss and say, look, don't confront him. Converse. Never confront. Converse. So just tell him straight up, hey, I understand these circumstances have happened. You know, um, I'd like to be treated fairly. And I said, if he, if he doesn't want to pay you sitting, come home. You're not working there. Don't don't any don't let people disrespect you like that. He acted like he didn't know what happened. So she came home and then we started. You need a candle. It's literally the next day. I was like, now's the time to get it going. But they called her back and they were like, listen, we're, we're really sorry. We, this was, we screwed up on our end. We really could use your help on a part-time basis. Come back, which part-time she's been going to work every day, but she did that. So she's been back at work. So she comes home for lunch because she works very close to home, which is really nice. So yesterday she comes home for lunch. She gets ready to leave. I let the dogs out and I go outside and I had a black and mild. I said, I get one every couple weeks. I get a black and mild. I sit out there. I listen to podcast music i chill well i thought i heard a loud crash like a loud crash but then i was like i'm getting in my head don't worry about it because the last crash i had was my shelves and it was a loud sound i come back inside and i forget that i had this moment of me thinking something crashed i'm like okay let me go uh the horror room just kind of check things out just walked in here just to walk in here you ever just walk in a movie room with movie stuff in it just to get uh, what do you call it? Serotonin? Like you just walk in here? Yeah, Christian, something's on your TV, brother. Oh, it's just ads. Don't worry about uh, it. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> it's ads. It's fun. So I, I walk in here just to get some serotonin for a second. And my plasma TV, my giant plasma TV, Mm-mm. it fell straight forward. It fell Mm-mm. straight down. Mm-mm. The thing weighed a ton. It weighed over 100 and something pounds. It was a 60 inch. I try to get it back up, plug it back up. The picture had kind of started to fade a little bit too, which wasn't good, but it was still a beautiful TV. I tried to turn it back on and it was, there was lines all through the screen. I was gutted. And so I had to replace my plasma. I just got a little high sense 50 inch, which is nice. And then I changed my posters just for some variety. So that was my day yesterday. Today has been a lot less eventful in a good way, but that's been my last 48 hours. And I'm hearing about this for the first time too, guys. I was not aware. That sucks. Well, that I didn't sucks. want to talk. I was I was very upset because they don't make plasmas anymore. Obviously, there's QLEDs and OLEDs, and they're great because I have a QLED and I love it. But I'm telling you something about plasmas. It's the most cinematic TVs in the world, but they're very expensive. They they were the the margins when they sold them back in the day were thin because they cost so much to make, and they're fucking hot. So mm-hmm. when you play them. If you're close up to it, you will feel heat hitting you. So, and they, they're expensive to operate. Like my electric bill went up a little bit using it. I'm not going to lie to you, but it was so worth it because it was beautiful. 
So it took a dump, and I had to get rid of it. So now I'm just the LCD bitch in here now. Hmm. Well, I became Twitter famous, so uh, I won't forget you guys. Um, you know, it's been a good ride, but I think I have to move on to bigger and better things. Um, no, no, but I actually did have a tweet kind of go viral. It's still going. Uh, it's about Saw 10, Saw X, as they're calling it in the trailers. I, I, is that how we're supposed to refer to it? Saw X? I think that's how they want us to refer to it. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm doing it. Socks. Um, yeah, uh, nothing, nothing really crazy uh, happening in my life. My life is uh, rather boring. Uh, I hate my job. Um, Boring's I, good. Yeah, Boring I, means nothing bad. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Um, but no, I mean, that does suck balls. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I can. I still have a plasma. I, I have one in my bedroom. It's behind the camera right there. Um, but it's a travesty because I don't ever watch TV in my bedroom. So like, I still have one and I can relate. You get close to that thing. You feel the heat. That bitch is warm, but I don't ever use it. I watch TV out in the family room. And then when it's time to go to bed, I just come in here mainly because I need to get like a, I need to get one of those like I don't even know what you call them, like the sticks or whatever, to where you can like have all your streaming apps and stuff. Roku. Yeah, Roku. Uh, I need to get it for my room because I just have my Xbox out there. And that's where all my streaming services are. I'm not trying to move my Xbox back and forth when it's time to go to bed to when it's time to go in the family room. I'm just not trying to do it. Um, <clears throat> Most TVs nowadays are Roku. Like that, that, that has Roku built in it. That's standard. Yeah, well, this, TVs this ain't a TV nowadays. This is an older plasma. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, um, all things considered, it, it, you know, it's been all right. I've been doing some Saw content on the channel. Uh, you know, hasn't been popping like I thought it would, um, which is fine. You know, I, I I don't really give a shit about the views, uh, but I thought more people would definitely be interested. But what Are I got you trying to say, guys, is please go watch my videos. No, no, it's fine because what I got coming tomorrow is really <laughs> going to ruffle some feathers, including yours. I recorded it earlier. I still have to edit it. Um, but it's a choose your fighter, Michael versus Jason. Who would win? I thought it'd be a fun idea because I keep getting asked about it. And I do think I was fair. I went by era. I went by, okay, this era of Jason versus this era of Michael, who would win this, mm -hmm. you know? And so Jason got his wins in there. I actually think he got more wins than Michael. Uh, I'm not going to spoil like the, the final consensus, but I thought it was a fun video to do because I got a message the other day from um, a listener named Troy. Mm -hmm. And he asked me about, you know, like, what, what do you think? Like, and then we talked about it a little bit, I think, on the last episode. And uh, I was like, you know what? I should just break this down era by era, movie by movie. You know, who in which scenario would win and why? Um, so it was fun. I'm excited. So, did, to so did you go by part one versus part one, part two no, versus so part two? This is how I did it. I did Michael from Halloween, Halloween two and Halloween four versus Jason in the first four. Out of the first four, you know, those ver iterations, although the final chapter is definitely the more intense out of those four, you know, out of that era, who would win? And then the next era was Halloween five and six versus just Jason lives. And then it was H2O and resurrection versus um, new blood and takes Manhattan. Then it was Rob zombies, Halloween movies versus Jason goes to hell and Jason X. And then it was Freddie versus Jason 
and Derek Mears, either one, whichever one, that era, the early to late 2000s, Jason, versus Blumhouse's trilogy. I broke Dude, it down in those eras. To me, there would be only one genuine battle that I'd want to see, and that is remake Jason versus Tyler Maine's uh, Michael Myers. Other than that, I don't know, man, because I really think you can make a really good argument that Halloween Kills version of Michael Myers versus Ty Derek no, Mears. No. Dude, come Tyler Maine. Tyler Maine was... I'm sorry. Take... James is great, but those movies still are not anywhere. Let's just get the controversy popping. James Hugh Courtney's Myers is still nowhere as brutal as Tyler Maine. Take that Halloween kill scene with the light bulb and the stabbing in the back and just go to Rob Zombie's hospital scene where he takes Ma, that black lady, great mm -hmm. actress. Octavia, Octavia Spencer. Nothing is more disturbing and vicious and violent as that. I don't care. Guys, yeah, take yeah. no... Those guys still don't know how to be as brutal as Rob Zombie. So all you David Gordon Green fanboys can go fuck yourself. So that's what I got to say about no. No, but seriously, remake Jason versus Tyler Maines for Michael. That is a battle. That is a match made in heaven. That is yeah. a battle of two disgusting, big, burly son of a bitches. I'd, I'd, I'd want it specifically to be remake Jason versus H2's Michael, because I think H2's Michael is just like an animal. It's a fucking professional wrestler. He looks like, yeah. like the, the the Canadian crippler or something. Like he's just a, well, that's a, that's actually somebody yeah. that was a wrestler. But I'm, I'm not going to, like, I don't want to, I'm not going to get into details of like I know, what I, I, I get. I know, I know you're not asking for that, but I just want to say, I do think too often that people completely discount that matchup, which is hilarious because it's like, we've seen Michael at his apex. His apex was H2, 2009, and um, I think Halloween Kills. I think those were the apex of Michael Myers. What was Jason at his apex? Probably the remake. Probably also you can make arguments for Jason Lives. You can make arguments for Takes Manhattan. But like saying that that would not in any era be a fair fight. I just can't get behind that because if we're being totally honest, Freddie versus Jason's not a fair fight. If it's in the dream world or if it's in the real world, it's not a fair fight at all. Like if it's in the real world, Jason wins hands down. If it's in the dream world, Jason stands no chance. At least Michael and Jason are both in the real world. And that, yeah, it's a shame because of licensing stuff. Look, when you look at Freddie versus Jason, you do have to suspend a certain level of disbelief, even in a cinematic world because of what you're saying. But the interesting thing about Jason is he never truly got sinister the way Myers did. Or cruel. Cruel is the word I'm looking for. Like, what is the cruelest thing Jason ever did? He pretty much, he did some great stuff, sleeping back, stuff like that. But, the, like, I go back to, go, going back to Rob's movies, the hospital scene, there's something, it's so cruel. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's. It's it's truly evil to I said co coin a phrase, you know. And, and I said as the difference is Jason was just more like an animal hunting prey. An animal. It, wasn't, it wasn't personal, whereas Michael was calculated. Like it was like, oh, you're a person that's in my way. I'm I like I I want to I want to kill you. Like and yeah, the the Octavia Spencer's kill in H two is my favorite kill oh, in the so series. Mean. Yes, it's you'll never. The first time watching that, especially in the theater with the surround sound, the screams, the jump cutting, you're like, dear God, like oh. this, this is just, you have, you, if you didn't know what you were in for at that point in that movie, you damn sure knew then. Like you knew like this ain't your daddy's Michael Myers. Um, no. but yeah. So I'm excited to do that. But tonight Christian texted me. He said, 
I want to do, I want some controversy, man. Like I, I really, I re cause we love these episodes and these episodes are perfect for a debrief. Stir them up because there are going to be a lot of comments on here. So we decided, yeah, let's stir the pot for the first inclination was let's do sequels or requels that are requels remakes that are better than the original. And Christian was like, well, we did a remake episode not long ago. What if we just lump it all remakes or sequels? Just Later iterations that are better than the original. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That does open up for more possibilities and to piss more people off. Right. So we agreed. And uh, buddy, I know Christian can already think of one off the top of his head that I'm going to say that's going to be blasphemous to so many people. And I can't wait. Yeah, dude, I'm ready. I'm ready. I got the I got the spoon and the shit. I'm ready to stir it. Go ahead. Just say it. No, I well. All right. Starting off the top, can't wait for the first comment about this one, Doctor Sleep, brother. See, you're and you're gonna get a few chumps in the comment section, like, "Yay, Nick, you're so right about Doctor Sleep, man. That's great." <laughs> it's just bullshit. <laughs> like, it's a good movie. It really mm -hmm. is a good movie. You're not competing. You're not competing no. with 43 years. You are over you and everybody um, that says that. You you are overinflating that movie. Oh, yeah, it's Kubrick. It's great. But it's because of Jack Nicholson that so many people revere that movie for what it is. Absolutely but not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Everything about that movie, I can I can sing the music. Yes. Uh, Shelley Duvall is, without her, she needs to balance off of Nicholson. Yes. But take Nicholson out of that movie. Is it still an all-timer? You're dealing in hypotheticals. I know he's I in, am. He's in the movie. but We that, have to judge the movie. I know. And what I'm saying is, though, that I think a lot of things about that movie get blinded because, yeah, a lot of the periphery is great in that movie. It's a great movie. It's an all-time movie. But here's my reasoning for it, because I've argued this many times. I know there's going to be many comments that are like, yeah, Christian, you're right. Nick, you're a fucking dumbass. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I don't care. I've heard it a million times about this movie. <laughs> Dr. Sleep, um, for me, the reason I put it above it is simply just because it, I think that the journey of Danny Torrance is so much more fleshed out than what we get of Jack Torrance. And for good reason, because they get to the Overlook very quickly in the first movie and you, you see his descent into madness there, which is kind of the point. But in the book, there was more there. And in, in, Obviously, you can't do that because you're going to have a five-hour movie. Totally get it. You got to take a movie for what it is. But for Dr. Sleep, we start with Kid Danny right after The Shining. We see that, that traumatization. We see him still dealing with the ghosts. We then see him become a downtrodden, downtrodden alcoholic, basically his dad. Then we see him pull himself out of that and go right back to where it began and then literally become a mirror image of his dad because of the Overlook Hotel and then does the thing that was in the original Shining book. And the reason that Stephen King says Kubrick is a piece of shit butthole, I don't agree, but Stephen King was so pissed off that he changed his ending that he still, still will never, ever forgive him for that. Mike Flanagan <laughs> that wasn't the end of Dr. Sleep. The book, Mike Flanagan made it the end to make right what Kubrick intentionally omitted because admittedly he was, a, he was, a, you know, he was an auteur. He wanted to put his own touch on something. Yeah, you wrote this book, but I got to put my own touch on it somewhere. Totally get that. Mike Flanagan was like, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. I'll give you that ending that you wanted. And I just think the arc for Danny is just awesome. And the best part about Dr. Sleep, Christian, is that 
You do not get to the Overlook Hotel till the final 30 minutes of the movie and you don't miss it. You're not sitting there the whole time watching it going, okay, can we get to the Overlook? Like, can we get there? Can we get there? No, you're along for the story they're telling you. And it's just, whether it's Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat, it there's so, I mean, there's so much about the movie that's just awesome. It's, it's fucking awesome. And like, you're asking, I'm splitting hairs here. Like I really am. And I have to cough. <laughs> so it's like, but as you could tell, because I keep time. breathing. Take your time. <clears throat> okay. But I'm splitting hairs here. I know The Shining is an all-timer movie. I know it is. But I just think that the character work in Dr. Sleep, I think is just a bit deeper and a bit more fleshed out. And I think that uh, the true testament to the movie is at the end, when you finally get to the overlook, you don't go, finally, we're here. No, you're like, oh, shit. The, it's like you almost forgot. I remember sitting in the theater and when they you know, recreate the shots, although they used a lot of the stock footage and just darkened it so it looked like nighttime. But recreating that, knowing where you're going, and then you just hear the Overlook themes. So I was like, dude, no, no. And I showed it to my mom. And she loved it. And The Shining is one of her favorite movies ever. And she loved Dr. Sleep. Anytime I bring it up, one of my brothers will say, oh, have you seen Dr. Sleep? My mom will interject and be like, oh, that movie's great. Like, that movie's great. So I think it is splitting hairs. I don't think it's like clearly head and shoulders above The Shining. But I think it's better. And I know that I'm... I'll, I'll give you this. If you... Because I was waiting for you to say it. If you... if if part, And I've heard you say it before, but you didn't say it this time. If part of your argument would have been, well... Stephen King prefers this because he didn't like what Stanley did. I would have bit back at you. Because I didn't the, do that because that is subjectivity. And, I and the, the bottom line is this. The dude, he can shit on Stanley Kubrick all he wants. He can. He can. It's, it's bullshit. Look at the movie he directed, Maximum Overdrive. S Stephen King, dude, shut the fuck up. I love you, buddy. But are you kidding me? When you write a book that personal, and I know that's one of his most personal books he ever wrote, he's talked about it. Mick Garris has talked about it. He interviewed Stephen King a few years ago, pre-pandemic. I remember listening to it, and he shat on Stanley. When you have somebody take your work and you submit a screenplay, and this guy goes, I, I, don't, I don't need your help, buddy. I can do this. And the movie becomes an all-time classic. That's why Stephen King is such a bitch about it. That's why he's such a bitch about it. It's the bottom line. You know? Yeah, you're, you're, that's why I didn't bring it up this time in my argument because that is pure subjectivity. And let's not pretend like Stephen King has the best judgment. Uh, he thinks some of his film adaptations are, are good and they're not good. Um, so well, he, do, he doesn't like Christine, but he changed his mind on that. He prefers the remake of Firestarter. And I'm like, yes, on, dude. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing about King is it's funny because it is all ego. That's what it is. You're absolutely right. It's totally ego. It's you took my work and people almost forget it was written by me because of your movie. Right. And so fuck you. That And that's his whole mindset. And, and I get it. And nobody sit here in these comments and tell me, well, you didn't grow up with the shining. Well, Christian didn't fucking grow up with it either. We weren't born. Then we grew up watching it on TV, watching it on VHS that's it's not a generational thing. I saw The Shining a hundred times before Doctor Sleep came out. Like that that's not what it is. I guess it was just, I don't know, it was deeply personal to me. Like there's there's a lot of relatability there. 
I mean, I haven't been like totally open with people on the podcast before, but I have struggled at times in my life with, with alcoholism and stuff like that. So like seeing those kind of things on screen, especially with an actor, I love you and McGregor. I, I love you and McGregor. And, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I felt, and, you, and Mike Flanagan's a, a great filmmaker. And I just think that the testament to the movie, like I said, is when you can get back to the overlook and you recast everybody because he wanted it to be separate. He didn't want like, I, I respected that decision. Let's just recast everyone. We don't want to do de-aging. We don't want to do all that. It's, I, and I respect. I don't like that. the de-aging thing either. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's close. It's very close to doing AI, which is. Yes. Yeah, not, knocking, not it's knocking on the door of AI. Mm -hmm. But the best scene in that movie is when he's sitting down at the bar talk. And, and a lot, another thing that Mike Flanagan talked about is like, yeah, that is, uh, what's his name? Henry, uh, Henry Thomas, who's playing Jack Torrance. They're like, well, he doesn't exactly look like him. It's Danny's mental image of his dad. That's another reason why he does look a little bit different because a lot of that era of the, the time in Danny's life, he's blocked out intentionally. So it's like a manifestation of his dad, but it's not exactly his dad. But that scene at the bar when he's talking to his version of his dad and the line that says, uh, I believe he says, man takes a drink, drink takes the man. Like that whole monologue was just like f with the whiskey in front of him, knowing that he wants to do it. Like, it's a great movie. I will. I will. Hear it is. You. A, it is a great movie. But it's not better than The Shining. I, I, I'll, I will accept that most people are not in my camp with this. That's fine. That's so, fine. just to just because you've read the book, correct? Mm -hmm. In the book, Jack Torrance is not a mean guy. He's actually a good dad in the start, right? Yes. That's this is why Stanley is so fucking brilliant, and this is and and this is why he's so brilliant. Jack Nicholson, from the start of the movie, you can tell this guy is on fucking edge. He's about to explode already. So it is a ticking time bomb the second you see this guy talk on screen. And that is so much more special than seeing a guy go to this fucking place that's going to corrupt this man and make him want to kill his family. That that it's something I would already think of, but the fact that he turned that on its head and said, this guy already hates his fucking family. He's an alcoholic piece of shit. It is a ticking time bomb. The second you see him on screen, it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. That's another yeah. reason. The, the shining Stanley Kubrick. It's to me, it'll never be Stephen King's the shine to me. It's always gonna be Stanley's movie. Well, I it's very different. The, the ending it's, is completely it's genius. Different. Dude, that movie is I think you should separate the two. That is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining because yeah, the ending of The Shining in the book is that the Overlook, you know, like Jack dies in a fiery blaze in the Overlook. The, the Overlook gets burned down. And that's why that's what they did with Dr. Sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, they basically had Danny, no pun intended, carry the torch uh, for the original ending. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of movies I mentioned tonight that I think you can objectively say are better. This is not one I can. This is just my opinion. I know it's an unpopular one. I maybe 10% of people in the world think Dr. Sleep is better. Okay. I'm one of them. That, that's fine. That's fine. And here's why I'll tell you why Stephen King is somewhat of a baby back bitch. In the 90s, him and Mick Garris did their TV movie of The Shining, and they did it Stephen's way. And Mick did what Stephen wanted, and they worked together on it. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it's ass. It's ass. It's fucking horrible. 
So sour grape it all you want, you son of a bitch, Stephen <laughs> and King. And th- that movie, Stanley Kubrick, is the reason that from that point forward, Stephen King has never approved a film adaptation of one of his books without oversight of the script or, or slash screen, screenplay. Did y'all know that when Paramount wanted to do Pet Cemetery, they were going to offer him a million dollars? Stephen King said, nope, just give me a thousand dollars. As long as I have script approval, I, I, I don't need your million bucks. You, you know what the problem is, Nick? Pop culture or America, we need to somehow make another Stephen King. This is not healthy for there to be only one gigantic author getting all these movies. There's no. no way in hell that there are not great authors out there right now writing great scripts and making great novels, great horror novels. I know that there's just one guy that wrote this novel called Clown in a Cornfield, and it's got all this traction, and it's sold like hotcakes. They needed a sequel. And I think there is actually a chance that this is becoming a movie now, which is good. We cannot sensationalize Stephen King stuff for much longer. We have got to get – got to – they're out there. You know that they're out there. But for some reason, something about Stephen King, he's never been replaced. And it's not that he needs to be replaced, but there needs to be that next person that it's like, holy shit, he grabs America. And we become obsessed with his books. And, oh, my God, can you wait for this movie? This, this has to happen. Yeah, this but is Christian, very unhealthy. Another reason why it doesn't happen is because nobody reads anymore. It's just that's, the truth. Like that's true, but make them make fucking movies of these books. Like yeah, well, I mean, how many it, Dean Koontz movies are there? Do it you is know? his. I mean, you know? no, but it is his son. But Joe Hill's quite a good one too. He's he's a pretty good writer. It's it's Stephen's son, but he's a good writer. But I feel bad for Joe because he lives in his dad's shadow. You can be as good as you want. You're living in your dad's shadow, and as much as I don't want to see one of the all time greats go, I don't want to see Stephen King die, but. Until he's gone, he he has cannibalized the market in that. I mean, he just has. And they'll keep making adaptations of his books and they'll keep getting wealthier and wealthier because <clears throat> he's a phenomenal writer. But yes, there's many phenomenal writers out there. There it has to be. And I wish <clears throat> we as a society pulled ourselves away from screens a little bit more and what got back to reading. Because when I was in school, dude, I read like read. We so had to. Much. Yeah, it was required. I don't even know if they do that in school anymore. I don't know. We were required reading books. Yep. I, I don't know. I just hope that happens. You know, my wife reads a lot. I read some. I read a lot of autobiographies, which is not really. I mean, that's not that's not bad. I'm reading. So I learn a lot about people's lives, but I don't read a lot of novels, which I should. I do audio books. I was doing Pet Cemetery as an audio book. I got a few chapters in. I haven't gotten back to it, but I can tell there's a lot of subtle stuff that was completely taken out of the movie yeah. character development as they mm-hmm. say but like i said steven got he got script approval on that one they, I mean, they, gotta, in 1980 he wasn't exactly on top of the world i mean he was no. selling books but like he didn't have the stroke to do that well, and, and that's that's one reason I, I i people can say whatever they want about stephen king especially nowadays there's you know a sect of people that don't like him because he doesn't they don't agree with his politics I, I take that out of it i don't give a shit about that like everybody has their own opinions but for Stephen, he, like, I will always respect the fact that he cared. He believed in his work so much yeah. that it got to a point for him where he was like, I don't give a shit about the money. Just let me give the okay on the script. Because Paramount was like, we're going to do it. And here's your, pu- basically, here's a million dollars. Sign it away to us and walk away. And he was like, I care about this story way too much. And it's Pet Cemetery is, I think, 
personally probably the best film adaptation of Steve, like period of Stephen King's work. Like, and I mean that. And I, so many people will say, oh no, it's not. For me, it is. I would really have to think about that, well, but I that's think it's a, that, That's this interesting thing you say. When you say film adaptation, are you meaning in terms of how much it compares to the novel, or are you saying just the no, best just, Stephen King movie? Because I think there's a differentiation. There, there is, because it, the Pet Cemetery novel, it, there are subtle differences throughout, because I've read that book as well, but at the end of the day, at its core, it's very similar to what's on screen, and that is, I think, largely due to Stephen King saying, I want script approval. Uh, there's certain things we got to take out. Sure, can't have this much character development. Some of this stuff's a little too dark, a little too weird for mainstream probably, audiences. Probably I get that stuff too. I mean, there's yes. no budget when you're writing a book. No, but having said all that, I just think, and that's that story was very deeply personal to King, uh, Pet Cemetery, just like The Shining, very personal to him. So, and I just, I just feel it on screen. Mary Lambert, she understood the assignment. I think that's a big reason why I know you, and I know a lot of people really do have an affinity for Pet Cemetery too. But Pet Cemetery 2 doesn't have what the first one has. And I think that's why I never really cared much for it, even though it was Lambert again. The first one's a really emotional story that's like centered. And two is more just like kind of schlocky, you know, fun. Sure. It's it's over the top. And and I like some movies like that. But I guess for me, it was just too jarring because I was like, the first movie is so deeply personal. Like, I but I guess arguing in your in your defense, how could well, you ever replicate that? That's what I'm saying too. It's like she did that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, being an Elm Street fan, you there's many shades of gray, brother. No, I know. So <laughs> I, I, it's the '90s Pet Cemetery film. I like it, but is it the, is it as good as one? F- get the fuck out of here! Of course not. You know that's one is a, is is about as legitimate as any kind of horror film you could think of. I I I, it, I watched it last year for the first time in a couple years, and I actually like really struggled to watch it it was really really hard um because gage looks like my kid like he super blonde hair like vivacious full of energy like watching that movie i was like fuck like i uh it's parents fault fucking idiots it it is it it, yeah it it definitely i don't know why you'd move i don't know why you'd move there like on that idiot yeah but just let the kid run around put a put a goddamn leash on him what about what about, to the bench. what about Judd? You know, Judd, Judd deserves some blame too. He's just standing oh, there yeah. laughing. Oh, like <laughs> there's a fucking kid. <laughs> soil, of a, soil of a man's eye. Yeah. So that was like 20 so, minutes yeah. spent on Dr. Sleep, guys. We won't do that again. But soil of a man's eye. I am aware that I am in the minority and I, oh, I wear that proudly. Christian, uh, this show is not sponsored by Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You go, brother. Or, or ghost. All right. Let me see. Superior horror remakes and sequels. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I don't think is a su- no. Let me let me let me let me stay on track. Yeah. Superior horror remakes. Um, there's probably some really obvious ones, but I'm trying to think of one that might be a little bit uh, like, oh, really? Oh, my bloody Valentine. I I, I swear to God, I watched it again because I I thought we were going to do a podcast on it, and we've been trying to do some some different kind of stuff lately which is cool but i was like i'm just gonna watch this because i when i when i did we what am i trying to say when i decided we weren't gonna do it right now i was like fuck it i'm gonna watch it again dude there's no comparison to me i love the original uh jensen ackles i love him so much becoming a big supernatural fan may may uh give me a little bit of uh 
um, what do you call it? Uh, bias, but not really. There's really not much bias. And for the people that are like, fuck you, Christian. No, fuck you, because my bloody Valentine, the remake is way more fun and entertaining. That 80s original is great, but the remake will have you laughing your fucking ass off. It's got energy like nobody's business. You get to see Todd Farmer fuck a prostitute in a motel, and then they run outside naked. There's no comparison. Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins is is in it. The remake, and for the people that, I I think a lot of people are going to be disagreeing with me, but they probably haven't seen it in a while. I assure you, go back and watch the remake of My Bloody Valentine. It is fucking hysterical the the suspense scenes are great when jensen is in the grocery store at two-thirds part of the film chasing the girls it's done so well so lucier and farmer absolutely killed it i think it's the best thing those two guys ever did together and it makes me really bummed out because if we would have got halloween 3d with that kind of tone it would have been the best halloween movie ever fucking made because those guys knew how to make stuff energetic they, they didn't take themselves seriously, but they took the horror seriously. They were a match made in heaven looking back. They that that moment defines that time frame for me, the late 2000s, where it's action packed. It's uh, gory as fuck. And you have a good time. That's missing in horror today. I need movies back like that, quite frankly. So the remake of My Bloody Valentine, I will not hear any argument. It is clearly better than the original. Yeah, dude. I, not only do I agree with you, it's funny though because uh, for me, I've I've told you this before. Uh, there is, I would have loved to see the Halloween 3D as well, simply just because I'm a mark for Scout Taylor Compton as his Christian. We won't. We're just not going to apologize for that. Um, and I loved her as Lori, and so I would have loved to see, see her seen her back, but. Dude, I've told you before that there was a line in the script of Halloween 3D that was so Todd Farmer. And it was literally just like about a doctor that walks in at the mental institution. And it's like the observer says she walks in and she's fucking hot. And I'm like, this is Todd Farmer. Like, yes. Like, I wanted to see that movie so bad. Um, But yeah, no, I I completely agree with that one. And let's just keep it in the same era. I think a lot of people agree with this, but it never gets talked about. Last House on the Left, 2009, I think is unequivocally better than the original. Like, I don't even think it's... And look, if you grew up in the 70s and you're listening, you're and you're like, you son of a bitch, how dare you? It's just like The Hills Have Eyes, which we don't even need to mention that one because most people agree with that one too. They were so low budget that like, it's almost like if you make a new adaptation 30, 40 years later, it's especially if you get competent actors and and a writer and director, it's probably going to be better. It should be better. Last house on the left is, I think is absolutely better. And I think that, is it a little more polished? Yeah. Cause it was that era, you know, the platinum dunes era, but, and, and I, not a big fan of R word uh, revenge movies. I'm not going to say that word. Cause I don't want YouTube to, you know, demonetize this video. I'm not a big fan of them. I don't like to watch that. Like, you know, it's, it doesn't offend me, but I just, I'm not big into it. Uh, But if you're going to have a movie like that, you better deliver on the revenge. And dude, last house, 2009 delivers on the revenge. Like that is some gnarly revenge. I, so I, I'm going to stick with, I'm going to say that one too. I feel like I'm going to speak for 90% of the horror fans out there. 
maybe I'm I'm off I'm I'm going on a limb on this. I think the average horror fan that has seen the remakes of Last House and have seen the remake of um, The Hills Have Eyes would agree, and they we all respect the original Last House and Left. We all respect The Hills Have Eyes, but come on. They're not better than the remakes. Like, mm-hmm. are we fucking kidding me? They're too. No. They're too cheap. Um, I mean, I like the Hills Have Ice too, but it's fucking insane. Um, the the original Hills Have Ice. I don't. I don't know if they made a. Re- yeah, they made a remake of Hill, Hills. They made a mm-hmm. remake Hills Have Ice Part Two. Uh, I like the Wes's Part Two, which he did just for money, but I think it's hysterical. I think there's funny stuff in it. But come on, I mean the the remake of Hills Have Eyes is one of the best of that era. I think it mm. is so fucking good. And the threat level in that one, it's no contest. Like, threat level I, understand, I understand the context. Uh, yeah. You run to the left and you shake that <laughs> hand. You jump. I understand the context of those movies at that time, but my big thing, I use this argument a lot is time. And when you look at time, I don't think that time is as loving to certain films as others. And I think, uh, Honestly, those movies are suited better for the 2000s anyway, in terms and you, of subject matter and just the way they played out. And it's they, not, were going, they were going for it in the, yes. in the 2000s. They, mm-hmm. It was the torture porn era, as they say, and that kind of aided to that kind of cr- craziness in terms of the shit they would show on screen. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and I was just going to say, not every film from that era is like that, though. Like, you know, it's we're not just saying, oh, well, if it was 60s or 70s, yeah, remake is bound to be better. Well, no. Texas Chainsaw Massacre still ages incredibly well. Yeah, Halloween, Exorcist. yeah, Exorcist, the, the Hollow, yeah, Halloween, The Omen, they all age incredibly well. It was just, unfortunately, it seemed like Wes got stuck with like no budget on a lot of those movies. It was like, hey man, sp- uh, spin gold into the out of this, and it was like, ugh, I, it, that's hard. I mean, The Hills Have Eyes <clears throat> and The Last House on the Left are much larger scale movies than Halloween. You can make Halloween work with $300,000. You just need a couple residential streets and two houses. That's that's all you need. So $300,000 is, that's not that hard. But when Wes is given that, all right, now go out to the fucking desert and uh, make a movie about these mutated fucking murderers. Like, I mean, it's just the, it's just not there. He didn't have the support he needed, um, which is a bummer. So, like you said, we can respect it, but don't you ever lie to me and say the remakes aren't better. What's the guy's name on the cover of Hills Have Eyes? We met him. I forget his name. Um, um, it's um, oh, fucking shit balls. Um, uh, uh, Michael Berryman. Michael Berryman. And I say this with love. I love Michael Berryman. I'm so glad he's still alive and he's hysterical and he does. He's in great movies. I love him in Devil's Rejects. But the, Hills of Ice was so broke, like they couldn't afford to like put creepy makeup on people. They just had to. He had to find Michael Berry. Yes, and he was like, "Fuck it, dude. I ain't got to do shit to you. Take your yeah. shirt off. All right, the wardrobe's ready." Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you look like you were a victim of nuclear fallout. Like, we love you, Michael Berryman. Uh, dude. Michael Berryman too was great to meet. He was like your old papaw. Like great. he just wanted to tell you stories. Yeah. And it's like he had a line of people, but he's like, let me tell you, let me tell you. He was telling us all about Rob Zombie. And I was like, hey. he loved and by it. the way, had people, great things to say about Rob. Everybody has good things to say about Rob. Every, mm-hmm. Remember that video mm-hmm. Sean Clark did where he found like the master tape of yep. those 
Halloween interviews. Mm-hmm. First of all, I love the fact and and Sean explained how he basically asked a lot of the same questions to these people on purpose because that was what his job was. But I love the fact that McDowell not only said he loved Rob Zombie, but he was the only one that was was really honest. He's like, no, you, you the reshoots for the Halloween film. What did you think about that? Oh, the re- Scout Taylor Comp. It's like, oh, it, it, the ending is great. Blah blah blah. Malcolm McDowell is the only one that's like, what about the reshoots, Malcolm? Uh, ah, I don't <laughs> like it. Mm-hmm. Like, just let the directors, if they got a vision, just shoot the shit. Like he's the only one that like did not give a fuck. But he's bulletproof. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna say to Malcolm McDowell? But yeah, everybody, all these actors, they love Rob. It's so it, it makes me feel so bad for this guy. He wants he he has a target on his back from every Halloween fan in the world yep. down there. And now but it's David actors, Gordon Green. They both yeah. touched Halloween. They'll never ever be able to live that down. <laughs> Look, people are gonna make new Halloween movies, guys. Get the fuck over it. Leave these people alone. Dude, you're still trashing Rob Zombie damn near 20 years later. Let it go. I do think I do think that the Blumhouse movies have opened some people up to Rob's movies. 100%, especially two, especially Halloween 2. And I and I I've seen a lot of takes recently that are like, "You know what? This movie's just so weird and different, but like I kind of dig it." Like I literally saw a tweet the other day that was like, I don't know if this says something about me. Like, am I insane? But I'm actually starting to like this movie. And I'm like, no, you're coming to sanity. That's what's happening. Not the <laughs> it's like It's like for a, lot, a lot of the complaints people have. It's just like, you know what? I wish they would have done something different with Halloween. Well, guess what? His name is Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. He did something different. People are like, well, I just can't. I can't stand the F word every other word. <laughs> Fucking get over it. I mean, it's a word. Dear God, like don't worry, guys. I'm gonna make a uh, a a skull fuck free edition of Rob Zombie's Halloween. No, we need to make a Unita shirt. That's the Unita Horror Podcast logo, and it says "Listener will skull fuck the shit out of you." And <laughs> who's gonna wear that in public? Oh, dude, I'd wear it. Are you kidding yeah, me? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, All right, so yeah, give me another. Yeah, another. Give me another pick of yours. Let me let me just throw out some obvious ones. Um, no secret. Uh, I think yeah. Elm Street Two is the greatest. Uh, the greatest uh, Nightmare on Elm Street film, period. Um, I understand that three three is clearly the fan favorite, and for good reason. But I think four is actually starting to spread its wings with the fan base a little bit, and a lot of people are like, "Ah, you know what? Four is the uh, special effects one," which mm-hmm. I, I feel it soundtrack's better for four too. But people, because people just yell "Doc," and okay, what what other songs are on that soundtrack? Yeah, uh, four has an amazing soundtrack, but two is two two's got its fans for sure i don't know if it's the fan favorite or what people say it seems like it's either high on people's lists or low on people's lists and they're all homophobes um <laughs> kidding That's obviously right. but no i love two um let's see other uh I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think is this tough i mean we, we if you want to say something obvious i almost no one says friday the 13th is the best friday movie whether you say two three four six Almost no one says it's you, the first one. You know what I think the fan favorite is? Like what people say the best one is overall. I, I either think it's four or it's two yeah. or it's six. Yep. I, maybe two or four more than anything. I see people that love six, but it seems like two and four are like the biggest ones. It was um, two for me for the longest time. But recently, you know, a couple years ago, I was like, dude, I think it's three. And <clears throat> I didn't know. I didn't know how unpopular that was to say that it was three. Cause like, I, I remember when I did like a legitimate ranking video of it for the first time, a little over a year ago, so many comments, like 
wow, three's number one for you? I was like, God damn, I didn't know it was <laughs> that taboo. Shit. Uh, yeah, it's my favorite. Um, but, I mean, I think, unpopular opinion, not only do we both agree that the original Friday is not the best Friday the 13th movie. Dude, I don't even think it's that great. I really, really don't. I vehemently disagree with you. I know you do, but I don't. I just don't see it. I think that the a lot of that movie's boring. What's your Okay, so what's your complaints with Friday the 13th? Let's break this down. <clears throat> okay, well, on the macro, just like looking at it as a whole, Friday the 13th, the original, isn't Friday the 13th. Because Friday the 13th didn't become what Friday the 13th is and didn't hit its stride and know what it had until the final frame of the first movie. So... In, in that sense, now that's not, you know, that's not the first movie's fault, but I'm just saying, when you think about Friday the 13th, you you don't think too much about, you think maybe certain scenes in that movie, but like, think about Jason. You think about The Mask or even Sackhead Jason. You're not really thinking about that first movie. But again, you can't really hold that against the first movie. It was the stepping stone for the other ones. Okay, whatever. Having said that though, dude, I I, I do think at times it's a bore. Like I really, really do, and I, I, I absolutely, positively love Mrs. Voorhees. I, I do, and I, I love that whole ending sequence, or the, the third act, really entirely, from when she shows up in the jeep in the rain. I'm like, oh, this is this is great, but a lot of it's boring. I just think it's kind of boring. Okay, well, I can't, I can't try to argue with you if you just say that because if you think it's boring, I get that. That's not something I can argue with. So we'll just have to move on. Yeah, I mean, if you were I gonna love, said something, I, I would have tried to fuck with you. No, I know. If you'd I, have been like, "There's not, there's not that many kills," I would have been like, "Well, how many kills are in Halloween?" No, yeah, exactly. And that's what some people might say. Well, I, dude, listen to me. I, I'm a t- I'll just say this. I felt like what you just said f- for a long time, and I'm telling you this right now. Something about getting into Italian horror movies where they didn't have budgets either. And the way that they made movies scary was legitimately having just setting up this atmosphere of just like shit's going to hit the fan and spooky and just complete vibe. It transformed my view of the original completely. And I think Sean is an extremely great director. He's done some great movies. He did a movie called uh, Deep Star Six, which was a, a film about a sea monster which came out the year leviathan came out which also came out the year james cameron's the abyss came out so deep star six kind of like fell to the wayside which is sad because deep star six is incredible he did a movie called the new kids which is really good he's a great director i think sean is is really talented and he doesn't doesn't get he doesn't get that credit because he's more of a producer than anything but he doesn't get that credit as terms in terms of a director the way i think he should I think he did a great job. I think I think the original Friday the 13th is truly the most ripped off movie of anything, not Halloween. No movies no because movies tried to rip off Halloween after Don't give me that face. Let's let's break this down cuz I'm about to school you. No yeah. movies tried right after Halloween. There are certain movies that came out that tried to do what Halloween did. It didn't work. Friday you think you know what I was about to say, but you don't know. We're well, not actually not that far. That's apart. What I'm saying. I, I mean, Look at all the movies past not Friday the 13th. That that's the blueprint that everybody used, not Halloween. Halloween was no gore. Halloween mm-hmm. and we I, I would love to talk about Tom Savini's complaints with Halloween because they're all so fucking valid. He destroys Halloween and you can't argue with him. But Friday the 13th is the most ripped off 80s film, or the most ripped off slasher film of the decade. I made that, that face to form, 
That was a formula that 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 people ripped off. That not yes. Halloween. No. Without Halloween, yeah. there is no Friday the Thirteenth. But Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. I, I just don't want you to get. I just don't want you to get too mad because we're actually not far apart on this. What I was going to say is, I made that face. Yeah, I'm trying to rile you up. You are right that most, if not every, 80s slasher movie ripped off Friday the 13th because it was whether it was summer camp, whether it was a group of teenagers, whether it was a bunch of boobies, whether it was the gore. It was Friday the 13th was the blueprint. You are right in that, but in the sense of the masked killer stalking. That was obviously Michael Myers. And you could even say Billy before that. You you could say Billy before that. Now, I mean, he's not masked. But I, I, I wouldn't. Let's be honest. I, I wouldn't mean, either. But I've heard people make that argument. And I'm like, okay, well. They're, they're making an argument that that movie came out before. And that's their justification. And it's not good enough. No, you no, it's I mean? not. Because it is. It's very different in a lot of ways. But so we're not far apart on that. Yes, most 80s slasher movies ripped off Friday the 13th's premise and everything in the periphery that Friday the 13th was. But they all ripped off the, we need to have this masked killer or this or th this killer that stalks people for no apparent reason. And a that was Halloween. A million percent. This is what I'm getting at, though. Like, And I agree. And literally, with I, I hate when people say, oh, without this, you would have had that. I mean, okay, Back to the Future. I get that. But the blueprint of what the 80s slasher became happened. They when they when Friday the 13th did what it did. That's that's the blue the the, mm -hmm. the legitimate blueprint step by step. It's what you made know? Halloween two what Halloween two became. They were like, we got to exactly. up the gore. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. So that's why I say, in terms of numbers, not Friday the 13th is the most ripped off, not Halloween, but Halloween because no movie is like. I mean, there are slashers that probably try to be like that, but they failed. There yeah, were, because, I, did, I did a bunch of research of movies that literally came out in 79 and early 80. Nobody talks about those. They're not popular. I'm telling you, I could pull up the list, but I don't want to do it right now. But I'm telling people, Friday the 13th is the most ripped off 80s slasher film. Yeah, because Halloween is almost an enigma. It's like a tasteful slasher movie. Which because you, of the music, dude. And if you had shitty music well, it's in not, movie, but it, It's not even just that, man. I mean, like, did, even the sex scene you get, you get like a half a second of nipple. Like it. it's barely in frame too. Yes, you, gotta, it, you almost want to be like this, like look. Yeah, and, and I did that as a teenager. But like, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like it is legitimately a tasteful slasher movie where there's like no blood, hardly any kills, slow burn. And I was gonna say that earlier when we were talking about the first Friday, people would go, "Well, a lot of you know, a lot of people would say Halloween's boring." I guess to me, I was in suspense that entire time of what was going to happen. I felt like Carpenter, whether it was the music whether it was the direction of it or whether just being more invested in the characters, because let's be honest, Friday is not a series known for investing in characters. So that's, I think that's a difference there where I was never bored with Halloween because I felt like that threat was ever present and the threat is present in Friday the 13th, but it's like, you don't give a shit about these kids. Like it, and you, you kind of don't even know what's going on. You're like, is this, this Jason guy? That doesn't make sense. Like the first time you watch it. And then when it's Mrs. Voorhees, you're like, Oh no shit. Like, but at the end of the day, I, I agree with you. Uh, like on the macro, yes. Like Halloween 2 became what Halloween 2 was against everybody's wishes because Mustafa was like, more blood, more blood. Like that's what he wanted. He wanted, and I was doing an impersonation of Greg Nicotero impersonating Mustafa Cod, by the way, guys. He said that about Halloween 4. But that's how Mustafa was. Oh, shit. 
this Friday the 13th movie came out, made a bunch of money. What'd they do? They had nice boobs and a lot of gore. All right, Pamela Susan Shoop, getting out hot tub or that therapy tub or whatever the fuck it is. Um, and uh, we got to go back and reshoot some stuff. And, uh, and thank God. I love that. I yes. love the fact that Halloween 2 has gore to it. Yeah, and Pamela Susan Shoop, maybe the greatest wreck in Halloween that you actually see. It would have been saying, Kathleen Kenmont in Halloween 4, but they teased us. God, she had some big-ass titties. Yes, yeah, she did. Uh, yeah, I Pamela had Pamela. some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, girl, shit ain't Beth from Halloween 6. Fuck no. <laughs> she got beast things, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, man. I might as well. You know what? We we didn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so you don't think Friday the 13th is that great? That's fair. No, I... I I didn't say that. I understand its place in in the pantheon of horror. No, but don't, no, don't, 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 but I do like think it. it's kind. I do, I do think the first half of the movie is kind of boring, and I also do think that it is unequivocally not the greatest Friday movie. Even if you love it, it's not the greatest Friday movie. It's just not. You wouldn't even argue that, and you love it. But yours is no, Final Chapter, right? Final Chapter is one of the best slasher films ever mm -hmm. made. Because I think it, I, I would take a little bit of umbrage when you said it's Friday the 13th is not known for making characters. I mean, I, I think so. There's writers, a few exceptions, but throughout the franchise, where are your Rachel Carruthers? Where are your Laurie Strodes? Where see, are that's, your see, that's, that's subjective because you and me both think Rachel Carruthers is boring as fuck. And that's I know, I know, like, I know, uh, but I'm saying a lot of people revere her. Like and I, I think Tina. What, what are you revering, people? I know she's she's milk toast as fuck. But then I mean, <laughs> you even look at Nightmare, dude. Like Alice. Like there's there's a lot of characters in a lot of these franchises that you latch on to. And then die. Come back movie to movie. That's also a thing in Friday. You don't really get returning characters because they all die. So you can't get attached to them. No, you can't. You can't. It's 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 difficult. And then that's really subjective too because it's like how people. You know, like I said, we think. Rachel is is mid. Is that what mm -hmm. they say now? Yeah, that's what the kids are saying. Mid. <laughs> um, Give me Tina over Rachel all day. Honestly, I know we got we got to talk about some movies. We're knocking on an hour, so we'll, we'll get to it. But like, <laughs> honestly, it really it really pisses me off how people shit on Tina all the time. It's like, let's be honest. You're and I say this to whoever's listening. You're probably slightly annoying too. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I know I am. I'm exhausting. She, <laughs> she's, she has personality and this is the thing that's weird to me. Oh, I fucking can't stand her in the movie. Why does that mean you have to not like the movie though? Like there's a ton of movies where I watch where the, per, the character is doing bad things or they're saying stuff I don't agree with or that annoy me in a way. There's a line of, of course, and that's Babadook where the character of the kid screams so much. It, it physically gives me a headache. But for somebody to have a personality that you wouldn't jive with, why does that mean that the movie's bad? Why does that mean you don't like it? Why is it that and people say, I didn't like any of the characters? Why do you have to like the act, the peep, the characters of the movie to like the film? Can you not get it in, absorbed in the story and the arc of everything? Why do you have to say, okay, I like this person. I, would hang up, I like this movie. I'm invested now. What, what does that mean? I never understand this argument. You know what I'm saying? What? Like, I hear yes, this all the time. I don't understand it. You, you know can still, I can meet you halfway. You can still enjoy a movie for everything else it does well. You absolutely can. But I think that for a movie to be an all timer, for a movie to really have staying power for you, in to really affect you, 
I think you do have to be invested in at least one character. And I think that it's integral to the story. If this, a story is only as good as its protagonists or antagonists, like it just is. And I think that's just filmmaking 101. Now you can say, well, I didn't like anybody. So it's a terrible movie. That doesn't mean it's terrible. Uh, if I had a movie that had great kills, great action, great set pieces, great music, but I didn't like the characters, you could still say it was average. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It was, it was fine, whatever. But it's never going to be one of those four and a half, five-star movies on Letterboxd for you. And that's fair. So I can meet you halfway there. But yeah, the people that, oh, Halloween 5, I just I just didn't like Tina. So I that fuck that movie. It's like, yeah, dude, I, I'm sorry. But I, I just don't understand how anybody can prefer Rachel to Tina. Because what, Rachel's a little more even keeled the girl that didn't want to take the orphan out on Halloween. The first time we fucking meet her, we all like her all of a sudden, but Tina just wants to show her titties and get drunk. And we all hate Tina. Fuck you. You'd all rather hang out with Tina than fucking Rachel. I know I would. I would. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Cause I, I hate to just talk and say stuff and not back up what I'm saying. The guest was a movie that came out right about the pandemic time. Have you seen the guest? Fuck yeah, I have. Okay. 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 <laughs> The biggest thing I heard people saying, I fucking hate all these people. Fuck this movie. Okay, you've got two people that are cheating. You've got a drug addict boyfriend who, who's an Uber Eats guy. That's not a slight. I mean, I have a ton of friends that work for Uber Eats and they make great money. But my fact of the matter is that's what he's doing. I'm just describing the, these characters. And then you've got this girlfriend who's uptight as fuck. Do I like any of these people? Probably not. But do I care about the situations that these people are in and the shit that's about to happen? You're goddamn right. I'm a fly on the wall watching this. I'm not in the movie with these people having to stay at the Airbnb. So I'm thinking to myself, what fucking planet am I living on where everybody's saying this? I don't like any of these people. Fuck this. Movie. I don't understand it. Why do you have to like these people to, to like not being... Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. this is the shit I dealt with when this movie came out. And I was just like, I, I, I'm in the twilight zone. I don't understand yep. this, this concept that people have. And again, I think it's just sometimes I really think it's the same thing as, um, you know, the character development was not great in this movie. When people Like, it's the same thing because it's regurgitated. I don't like the I didn't like any of these people in the film. Here's the thing about that type of movie. If you know that you have thinly written characters that aren't really integral to the movie as a whole, that's fine. Lean into that, though. Don't try to sell me a steak when you know it's a turd. Do not do that. If you are like, okay, people are coming to this movie for this, not this. At least lean into that. It's what I don't, what I cannot stand is when you have super unlikable characters or poorly written characters or both. And they try to put the movie on the shoulders of those people. It's like, dude, if you want to give me shitty characters, you can give me shitty characters so long as everything else works. But if you are here going, we're, you're going to follow these people. You're going to like them. You're going to be invested in them. We're going to put the movie on their shoulders. It, it absolutely clouds your view. It does because it's like you didn't lean into the other shit that was actually good. You continued to try to lean into this shit that was not fucking good. Because you thought it's, dude, the Babadook. The Babadook is a perfect example. Fuck the, that movie. the symbolism and metaphors that that movie is trying to like tell the audience of the actual movie at its core, very interesting. But they missed the fucking boat because they were like, the mom and the kid, we're going to put the movie on their shoulders. Not the deep shit we're trying to tell you about. No, 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 no. 
We're going to put it on their shoulders. A movie like Hereditary works like that because Tony Collette's fucking incredible in that movie. You do it for the Babadook? Fuck no. 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 Dude, I fucking done. hate that movie so Yeah, it fucking sucks, man. It's so <laughs> bad. And I'll never... Ugh. And it's on so many people's top 25 horror movies of all time list. And I'm like, you suck. You have no. That's that's on my top 20 movies. I want to burn every single DVD of. Yes, it's. I mean, it's just. But so that's that's where I'm at with that. Like, do not put the shoulder the movie on the shoulders of people that can't carry it. If you are a filmmaker that knows jack shit, you can see in your first fucking day of filming, ah, these people can't. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about this. Maybe we should lean into the other stuff, kind of take the attention away. But if you're like, nah, man, this is it. Don't be surprised when people are like, fuck that movie. Like if Hereditary had like not, fu- I, I, I keep going to Hereditary because it's one of those, or well, like. It's a gold standard of our Or, or look at, um, look at uh, Get Out. That movie rests on the shoulders of Daniel Kaluuya. And he's fucking awesome in that movie. Like if, if, if you want to put the movie on the shoulders of someone, they either need to be well-written or giving a badass performance. It, it, you can't have neither. And then go, if if Halloween 5 rested on the shoulders of Tina, I'd understand. I totally would. If it was like, Tina's carrying this movie. She's not fucking carrying it. She's just a teenage girl in it, caught up in it. It's not her fucking movie. Like, to not like the movie because of Tina, fuck you. You suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't know what else to say. Like, you suck. You suck. I hate you. Oh, dude. Like I told you, you remember when we did that Halloween 5 commentary, it's so funny because we are so fucking petty as fuck for the entire two two hours of it because we're just like, man, people that don't like this movie, they just don't get it. Like, like and we're the entire time. Like, oh, this shit's so great. Dude. I, don't, I don't understand. I, I know, so, man. And then I get notifications till this day. Once we have people fighting, fighting in there, <laughs> that thing has legs. Halloween five is finally starting to get its due just like Rob Zombie's Halloween two. And like, as much as I love to see that, I really, really do. Fuck you for spending 20, 30 years shitting on these movies. Fuck you. <laughs> Seriously. Like oh, these movies were always <laughs> as good as you guys are starting to now see. They've always been that movie. You're just finally allowing yourself to see it for that. And uh, Christian, I'm just going to say this comment section is going to be a fucking minefield for me well, so i'm probably gonna yeah. stay far away it's this the name of this episode is uh controversial horror takes and then the thumbnail is going to be like putting everyone on our shit list i'm gonna put like a, an asterisk in the word shit and i'm gonna put red eyes I'll put our, nick put nick is exhausting on there too uh, i've got a, i've got i've already got this picasso made okay all right cool. it's gonna be cool. people are gonna see it and they're gonna say oh shit all right i got one that christian doesn't agree with but i'm gonna say it maniac I think that the remake of Maniac is better. I know Christian doesn't agree with it. But. False. I think it's as good. Okay. I've ch- I'm changing a little bit. But you know why it's great? I'm going to speak for you. Because they did something in a unique way. And they did it just as effective. Just as effective. It's the brilliant. Whole, are you talking about just the POV aspect <clears throat> of it? Um, no. I mean, yes, that, that that's great. But this guy is really... They went in a different direction. Spinell is this... Uh, really uh, sadistic, manly guy, this big guy that knows what he's doing. And he's, and, and then you got uh, Frodo, whatever the fuck his name Elijah is. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. I love Elijah Woods, by the mm-hmm. way, who's more of this dainty kind of 
you would never guess in a million years in a lineup he would have been that guy. Mm. It's it, it comes at it from a different uh, position, and it's just as effective. I love it. They're both great. But gun to the head, I'm going no pun intended because of the original. But gun to the well, head, yeah, I'd I mean, go, I'd go the original. The original if you have a if you have amazing. a draw, you've got to go with the OG. Like if you if you really do think it's a draw, you go well. The OG came first, so I'll, I'll go with the original. I, I totally get that. Uh, I will say the dedication too with that movie. Did you know that they didn't need Elijah Wood on set every day? Since it was POV, they they were willing to do a stand-in for the hands and everything. Nope, it was him the whole time. He didn't even have to be there for all of that. He's the and man. He he wanted to do. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be his hands, his mannerisms. Like it's just uh, yeah, awesome. If his yep. team, because he has a production company, right? Yep. Yeah, they were trying to go after Nightmare. I when when I say like that's my number one choice, number one choice because that what you just said clearly shows integrity. It shows um, genuine interest and love for the the cinema. Like he would be his number one priority would be making a good movie, not about Mm -hmm. money, not about any of this. That's the number one team I'd want to I'd want to be involved in making it. I totally trust Elijah Wood and hire Mike Flanagan as director. Um, so Christian, give, give me a hot take, man. Let's dig one out. I mean, it's already bad enough that there's probably like 60 comments already that it's like 45 of them are like, Nick, you're fucking stupid. Um, but I'm trying, you know, I know I'm doing, I'm, can you not tell I'm doing my damnedest to, I really want you to think of one that, you know, that, you know, like people are going to be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, can't get you, can't get with you there. Um, all right. So remake or a sequel. <sighs> You could say Halloween three. I know. Or oh, oh! I just thought of one for you that you and I go back and forth on all the time. Just Exorcist three. Oh, dude! Till I die. Till I die. I just. It's a different. Here's the thing. It's a different kind of movie. So it's completely. There is no objectivity, in my opinion, on this. Um. But to me, what makes Exorcist three the go- the goat is at the end of the day, I really feel part one, the original, was a collaboration between Blatty and Friedkin. Part three is all Blatty. So I give the edge to three on that alone. Print the principality of that alone. The fact that at the end of the day. When you say the exorcist, the name that should come out of your mouth is Blatty because he was able to take another movie, which wasn't really supposed to be an exorcist three and make it just as fucking good. And in my estimation, just a better movie. And the, the cat, hold on, I'm not done. The casting of George C. Scott is really so, so fucking good. And what, what's, what makes exorcist three so scary is this. You look at George C. Scott in that film. He's a guy. He is a man's man. You're not fucking with him. But the situation is so fucking scary and bad. He has moments where he breaks and cries for a few seconds. And he has to stop himself. Because he's the police chief. He's the, he's in charge of all this shit. And people are dying. And there's moments in the film. Do you remember the moment in the film where they're in the back room? And he's trying to explain to them that the Gemini killer is not really dead. But they're all mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? He said, but he knew that they they didn't tell the press certain stuff. And he's yelling. They're all freaking out. And he yells. He's like, stop. And he breaks down for in tears. This man who's in charge of all this shit. He's a, his friends are dying. He's in charge of all this, the police division. 
he breaks down and he has to stop himself. There's a moment where he just looks up like this to everybody. He puts his hand up. That is the scariest moment of that film to me. When this guy who's in charge of all this shit breaks down because it's so fucked up what's happening. The acting in Exorcist 3 is on par, if not better than the stuff from the original Exorcist. There's no, there's no denying. George C. Scott is a master. And he's a theater actor. You can't train people like that, but you can. But there's there's only one George C. Scott. He makes that movie a thousand percent, along with Dorf. But George is one of the that's one of the best written characters I've ever seen in my life, ever. It's incredible. So you goddamn right. I think Exorcist Three is better than the original. It's just as scary. If not, well, I, I appreciate that you said that there's no objectivity with this because I, I'll agree with you there. They're they're completely different movies. Uh, I think the reason that I go with Exorcist is just because as the first horror movie I remember seeing, like it was like, I, I, I told a story when I did a video on, on the movie of the day Friedkin passed away. And uh, the story that I told is, you know, it was like the passion of the Christ for me growing up. Like it was an R rated movie, but growing up in a religious household, it was like a rite of passage. Like even at a young age, my mom was like, you need to watch this. And um, so it's the first horror movie I remember seeing and just like, you know, being a little kid and believing in all of those things and, and being raised that way is like, it's like earth shaking. Like, it's just thinking about that. Like, oh my God, this can really happen. Like at the time as a little kid and like, it's it just, that movie kept me up at night and, and it was for the longest time. And I just think that you're absolutely right. You can't compare the two. I mean, you you just can't like they Exorcist three doesn't even try to be the exorcist until near the end when it was almost mandated that they had to they had to draw it together with the exorcist. There had to be ties there. Yeah. So like and that's probably the weakest part of that movie. Let's be honest is when they're like, well, we have to we got to kind of pigeon. We got to shoehorn something in here. It should have just entirely been its own thing. But having said all of that, I mean, yeah, dude, it's it, it's like. It's like picking your favorite kid. Like, I mean, we all know, like deep down, if you have more than one kid, which I don't, so I guess I can't speak to it. You go with the firstborn. You probably have a favorite, and it's probably the first one, but you're still like, I love them all, though. So, yeah, I, I hear you on that. Um, I was going to bring something up. Oh, let's talk about some more sequels that are better than the original, hands down. Uh, for all you jackasses out there, get out of here with Phantasm 1. The no. only one that even semi makes sense is Phantasm 2. Yeah. It's the best one. Coscarelli got some money. It's a miracle that movie was made, honestly. I was watching uh, There's a, the Scream Factory release of Phantasm 2. They talked about how the guy that was in charge of like Universal that came in in the late 80s, was a gigantic horror fan, so he was green lighting all kinds of shit. And he bought Child's Play away from MGM, and then he got Phantasm Two, and they made Fan Dude, Phantasm Two is fucking insane. It's so good, and the guy who plays Michael is great. Hellraiser Two. Anybody that disagrees with that is is truly on drugs. I don't know because I'll say this, just like you said about Exorcist. Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2 are very different in a lot of ways. Hellraiser is a very why grounded it's... movie. I know why. They got more money for the second one. So no, no, no. Like... I, I'm going to tell you why it's not the same. 
the movie of Hellraiser 1 is nowhere near as good as the movie you played in your head when you first saw the image of it. It's true. You, you're, you're lying to yourself if you say it is. Hellraiser 2 is the movie you had in your head. And that's one of the only times that's ever happened to me and to everybody listening. They're lying if they, if, if they disagree. Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2 leaned into the disgusting. Yeah, it leaned into the, the fantastical, which is what we all thought. Like you said, when you see the VHS cover of that first movie and you're like, oh, this is going to get weird. This, this is going to be the most bizarre thing I've yeah. ever seen. And it's, it's very, it's there weird, are bizarre though. moments, but it's very grounded in, in reality. Whereas the second one's like, oh, fuck no, dude. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> the scene of that, the scene of Julia coming out of the mattress is, that is so bizarre. I wouldn't have thought of that in my in my head. That entire sequence, I think, is the best sequence in the movie. From it still That's makes me cringe to this day of the guy just slicing himself up all over his body, oh, like man. it's disgusting. Like and then it the is, shot, the shot of Julia dragging on the ground. Mm -hmm. There, the two bodies, dude, and he wraps her up like a mummy and fucking makes out with her. I'm like, it's Ugh. uncomfortable. It's, it's so uncomfortable, so gross. But yeah, Hellbound. I think Hellbound is what Clive Barker. I, I just think that's – I wish Clive would have directed it. I mean, Tony Randall was great, and he made my favorite Hellraiser movie. So, like, no disrespect, but, like, man, Clive deserved that win. He deserved that win because you know Clive saw that movie for the first time and was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, that is just – that that's his world, man. That was so fucking good. That movie's incredible. Uh, Paranormal Activity 3. Yes. Saw 3. Um, Child's Play 2. Now, and Christian doesn't agree. I I say Child's Play too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fight that though. I really wouldn't. I've decided not to go back and forth anymore. But dude, fucking Child's Play two is great. Mm -hmm. Um, there's so much shit, dude. It's hard to it's hard to think of of some of it. Uh, I, let's talk about shitty remakes just for a second, because the name of this episode is not con it's not good and bad horror remakes because <laughs> we've completely. Uh, one of the shittiest remakes I've ever seen in my life comes from one of the most classic horror films ever, and that movie is called Poltergeist. Oh, dude, it's trash. Oh, it's so bad, man. It's fucking terrible. And dude, the worst part about it, they don't even try to do like dude, the poster art's trash too. Yeah, and they they don't even really try to do like anything different or imaginative. It's almost like copy paste. Like it's just like, but it's all lesser than. Because yeah, you got, yeah. got football fantasy going on over there, Nick, or what? No, uh, I'm following the Reds game. Okay, no, that's cool. But what's uh, the score? One to nothing. They literally just gave up a fucking run. They're 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 a half game out of the wild card spot, so they need to be winning games. And yeah. it's a doubleheader today. They won the first game, but they just gave up a run. But it's early. But they're down one nothing. I'm gonna try to watch some more baseball this year. I'm a big baseball fan, but. I always just look up scores after the fact. I never watch any games. It's fun to watch. I, I will never agree with anybody that says it's boring. It's oh, really it's cool. it, it's I love really baseball. Fun. You know what's yeah. great about baseball is at any, any given moment you can get that. Oh yeah, yeah, there's just there's a dinger, you know. bam. But I mean, yeah, for me, yeah, the the, the Poltergeist remake sucks. I, I I think I've told you the story. I think I talked about it on the podcast. I bought it on Blu-ray. I watched it. I was like, Jesus Christ! And my buddy Fuck wanted to me. borrow it. And uh, I let him borrow it. Never took it back. <laughs> and I'll never buy it again. I will. It's just. It, it, it's such a fucking pointless remake. Like, if at least if you're going to remake, do something different. Nope. Nope. That, it's like Psycho. Psycho. But that's not a controversial take. You can say you like Psycho 98. Like, you, you can. 
but it's literally psycho light. Like that's all it is. It's just psycho light. And like, yeah. Um, what about the Candyman remake? I mean, well, that's a requel. It's technically a sequel. So, but I mean, you want my opinion on that. I think that movie's the second best in the series. I personally, it's not a super high bar. I know people have an affinity for Farewell to the Flesh, and I do like Farewell to the Flesh. But it's pretty good. I, I do think that Candyman 20, uh, 21 is the, the second best, but nothing's ever going to touch that original. But um, it was just the third act was too rushed. Uh, I wish Universal would have given Nia DaCosta more time to flesh out that third act. Because it, they were telling a great story. And don't even sit here and try to tell me that when you saw Vanessa Williams on screen talking to Anthony, and that how emotional that scene is, and how great yeah. she still looks 30 years later. She looks fantastic. That shit was awesome. And like they bring the the beats from Philip Glass's yeah. score. Like there's just so much, and it really did something that a lot of these requels don't do. A lot of these requels play it safe and try to rehash a lot of things. Whereas this one really tried to build out the universe. Like it really wanted to make this so much bigger than anybody had anticipated. Every generation has their own Candyman. The right. first Candyman was Daniel Robitaille. Yes. But every generation has their own. It is so much bigger than you think. I, I really, really enjoy that movie. I really do. I did too. I went into it with uh, a lot of... Uh... I don't know what I'm looking for. Skepticism. I yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, this is what, this is what I walked away with that movie thinking because it was produced by Jordan Peele, but everybody was calling it a Jordan Peele movie. Naturally. I understand that. And I well, thought he, wrote, he, he, he did write it. Fair enough. But you know, his name was attached to the top of the movie. And mm-hmm. I always like it when the director's names are, because they're mm-hmm. the ones doing, they're directing it. And so I was thinking about so my, my worry was, Oh, here we go. Jordan Peele is already good, too good to be directing movies anymore. Now he's already swapped to Mr. Producer. Mm-hmm. Luckily that's not been the case. Um, I, we, we rewatched his movies again. Um, we did get out us and then, uh, Nope. It's funny because, I didn't like get out that much. And then I liked us more. And then I thought Nope was good. And now to take Nope is Nope is good. Um, although the scariest moment of that film is a fake scene, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then us, I, I really don't like that much, but I get out care. is get out. I, I'm like, okay, I don't know if I was just not watching this or what. Cause I love, Jordan Peele, that dude's hysterical. So I love Key and Peele. Watched it religiously, but now I watch Get Out. I'm like, no, that's that's good. I really like Get Out. So it's his best movie. My worry, that well, that's my worry. He's got that he already reached his apex. That yeah, some guys do, man. I uh, you would, I mean, you you would argue this. I I think Carpenter did with Halloween, though. The thing is, I, I would say the thing in Halloween are like this. Like I, at, at worst, you can say like exactly comparable like but that was carpenter's apex doesn't mean he didn't make other good movies but you couldn't argue i don't think anybody would try to argue at least after the thing carpenter never reached that again never no 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 so yeah it's it's fair and that was early in carpenter's career so like did has jordan peele already maxed out i mean is he buying into his own hype i mean you know what this is what pisses me off about jordan peele movies the best stuff in his movies aren't really the movie. 
they're not really the movie. So in in Nope, the most creepiest stuff was the stuff with the monkey. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, and in the stuff with the aliens, that scene was incredible, dude. And in the theater, that scene in the barn, I was like, "Fuck me up, oh dude!" And when you find out it's a prank, I was actually mad. I was like, "Furious, no." no. I want that movie. Yeah, so, so do I. the stuff about Nope with the monkey, and then with the alien scene. That's it's like, what's going on here? You're just deflating the plot of the movie. You can't make that stuff that good. So that's my issue with Nope, but it's still a good movie. You know, yeah. you could clearly see Peel. You know a Peel film when you see it now, and mm-hmm. not just because he's a black guy that's making movies from black perspectives with black actors. That's great, you know, quite frankly. Because um, you're not going to be able to, like, that's something, like, when you go to see a Peel movie, you know, you're not going to see, you're not going to get it confused with anything else. And that's, I want more of that. I want more originality in that sense to where, mm-hmm. These guys are casting who the fuck they want to cast. They're they're writing stories based from their perspective, which I think a lot of people should start doing. I don't know that we have a lot of that anymore. Not because there's not talented people, just because of the studios. Like, how do we make everybody? How do we make everybody want to come see this movie? It's fucking studio overreach. It's it's a huge you know, problem right now. Well, but we need people like Peel that have that kind of power where they aren't controlled. That, yeah. that's what we need. You see, know? man, that's and and that's I want to ask you that question on that same topic. If Jordan Peele had directed Candyman, do you think that third act would have been as rushed? No. No way. No way. There is no way you could convince me that Universal showed Nia DaCosta the same respect they would have Jordan Peele. There's no way you could convince me of that because all of Peele's movies are like two hours long. He wouldn't have made a 90-minute fucking Candyman movie. True, but here's – do we know that it was rushed or does it just play yes. off that way? Oh, yes. It, it was – It was uh, from, from what I have read – there was a lot on the cutting room floor and it was all the third act, but it didn't even make it onto the Blu-ray. Like it okay, least, well, fair at least put it on the Blu-ray. But the, the word was that Universal felt like, quote, the third act was, it was getting too drowned out in exposition. They needed to get, because Universal, what they cared about was, let's make a, a, a slim, mean 90 minute movie and let's have a really punchy third act. Because we want to play toward teenagers, right? And it made like $80 million while still in the pandemic. So that's really good. Like, you know, good for them. You made money. But you should have been playing more to people like me and like Christian that Revere Candyman is probably, in my opinion, definitely the greatest horror film of the 1990s. And I needed more exposition in that third act. Why the fuck did this dude decide I'm cutting your arm off and putting a hook in it? Like, how did we get here so quick? Give it's it's very deflating. It was yes. very deflating. But the first hour of that movie is just so good. It's great. Likeable characters. Just, it's it's so good. Like, and I just, I wish Universal hadn't meddled so much in it. And which is funny to me too, because they didn't really meddle much in David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. They really didn't. Like, Oh, you want to make Michael Myers an old decrepit man that gets beat up by a teenager? You got it. Like, where was, where was the meddling there? Like, and no, this is not me trying to make up. It's it's not a gender thing. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. I just don't. It was Nia DaCosta's first movie. I think it was just almost like the studio was like, well, you're not really going to get this pushback. I mean, you know, like, we'll tell you we're funding the movie. This is what we're doing. And you'll accept it because this is your breakthrough. And I guess, you know, she landed... 
uh, the Marvels, which is, I guess, the new bit, the next big Marvel movie coming out. So good for her. Like, good for her. She got her foot in the door. But I know if you asked Acosta, if you asked Peel, if you asked anybody that was involved in that movie, they would tell you, yeah, man, I really wish we we could have given the third act that we had envisioned because it, it is too rushed. There you go. I don't know. Um, Bummer. Is there anything else we can lay out on the line that'll just... I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, you, you don't even know that. I am a hot take machine. Like, all right, let me let me sit here and think for a second. Um, I'm not going to say Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm going to show Christian that respect. Also, because I, I cannot unequivocally say that 2003 is a better movie. Like, I prefer it, because, but it's I can't say it's objectively better. But... Like when I'm thinking about this, I'm, I'm like thinking about my movie shelves in my head right now. Like and I'm looking at, like I'm trying to think. I mean, I think The Conjuring 2 is better. I get a lot of pushback on that, but I think it's a better movie than the first one. Um, you already said Paranormal Activity. I said Saw 3. Um, I'm trying to what keep about, it. What about Dawn of the Dead? That's always a hot button issue. The remake versus the original. I see... I feel like a lot of Zack Snyder fanboys just want to say that because it's Zack Snyder. Um, the remake is great. It is a great remake, but I, I'd still take the original personally. And you even have okay. people on that same coin, Christian. There's people that will swear by the Night of the Living Dead remake. While good, it's, I mean, better? Nah, I can't get there. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Because yeah, yeah. here's, the, here's the sad fact of it. I feel like a lot of people revere Night of the Living Dead, but they really don't watch it anymore because it's a quote-unquote black and white film. That's the way I feel. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, sometimes it's evidenced by like when I reviewed the movie from Criterion and stuff, there's no views on it, which is not a great indicator, but there's certainly not the excitement when you talk about the original, I feel. I just feel like... Um, it's kind of it's respected, but I just hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. I, I love it when people say, oh, dude, I watch Night of Living Dead, the original all the time. Every Halloween I have it on when I don't know what to watch. I got the original. Um, we just talking again. You know, but I'm I think the original Night of Living Dead is still a legitimately great film. Great movie. I, I don't know it. how you could say it's not like even if you say you prefer the remake. I don't know how you could say the original is not a great movie. I, I really don't. It's fucking great. Well, I mean, Christian, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I let's just kind of delve into it a little bit deeper. I had, when I was younger, I thought everybody agreed that the original Nightmare on Elm Street was the best, but I don't think that's the general sentiment anymore. No, I don't think it is at all. And, According to Robert England, it's not. Yeah, and he meets all these people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's obviously Dream Warriors is a fan favorite, but as you mentioned earlier. Master's getting up. I think, dude, there's yeah. things about Master that is better than Warriors. I'm getting there. I'm getting there where I, I would honestly, I would actually, I would put Dream Master in before I put Dream Warriors in. Like might, right now, I would. I might too. I really, I really, I might. Can I say it's better? I don't know, but I do think I prefer it now. I really, really do. Now, it was funny. I remember when Crit, this, this was a while ago, probably two years ago, not long after we started this podcast, where Crit, we were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. He was curious as to what my favorite was in the series. And I thought that my oddball opinion of Freddy's Revenge was like, oh, God, seriously. But, like, that was not something planned, okay? Like, it's his favorite. It's my favorite, too, which is cool. 
but I'd say after that, I'm probably going master right after Freddy's revenge, like dead serious. I'm getting there. And I, I really am getting there. So the thing, the Tuesday night gets this bad rap. I feel like, and people are just like, Oh, she's no Patricia Arquette. Okay. Fair. But Tuesday had brought a lot more to the table. She was a musician. Uh, she brought an incredible song that other people, right street. you know, so that that that's that's uh that's not Tuesday. That's a band called the Divinals. She did the opening song because oh, I'm okay. running. Yeah, yes, yes. But just I just again, always think about Heart Attack on a One Way Street because I feel like she's that name, yeah, and that name is just such a dumb name for a song. But <laughs> well, the name of the song is uh that's not the name of the song either. No, but it's a line in the song. You're right. You're right. You're right. That's yeah. a line in the song, right? Yeah, it is. It's a line in the song. Yeah. Okay. It's the it's the eighties, man. But yeah, dude. <laughs> the soundtrack to that film is fucking insane and it's not a hair metal soundtrack too. So it's somewhat timeless. Although I love hair metal um, and the kills there, everything is so over the top and funny. Uh, and I think the makeup is sensational for four. Didn't I we agree? Was that the best Freddie look when we did Freddie? Second looks? best. Second best. Yeah. Best after was, revenge. Yep. Yeah. Vested. Yeah. So I, I think part four and part four really is the defining film for what Freddie like when you look at a lot of the merchandise and stuff like that four is peak. Mm-hmm. That was literally the black album in a sense. And um, dude, it's fucking great. Do it's you feel so like good. it ever unfairly gets lumped in with Dream Warriors because they came out in such close succession? Like, do you ever think that people almost like assume Dream Warriors is their favorite, but they might be thinking of parts from Dream Master? Like, because I do think that is definitely part of it. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Because um, Dream Master was when Freddie was on MTV. So that was really when the pop culture push for Freddie really was at its peak. So I almost wonder if people like conflate the two. Like, oh, yeah, I remember Freddie was all over the TV and stuff. Yeah, Dream Warriors. It's like you actually might be thinking of Dream Master more than Dream Warriors. Yeah, I, well, I mean – the docu music video had Freddie in it, and but mm-hmm. Master is was pandemonium. I mean, you had the DJ Jazzy Jeffs and Will Smith song, which was a fake Freddie in there. Mm-hmm. But then you also had the Fat Boys music video. Yes, um, <laughs> there were. It was insane. All the merchandise came out in '89 before Dream Child really came out. Like all the LJN stuff. I've done, yeah, I've done a lot of research on a lot of that stuff. So there's no denying that four is really the apex. That's when Freddy's Nightmares came on TV. That was the start of the show, late 88, 89. Um, I think it went into a little bit of 90. But this is what I think part of it could be. I think naturally people like their horror icons to be scary. And there's no denying that the first three, the first two were really scary. And three, Freddie is still on the darker shade of gray for sure. Even when he's saying his one-liners, he's very pissed off. And I think people really like that. And I think three visually is great too. But I don't know. The older I get and the more I enjoy horror comedies and stuff like that, I think four is a fucking... Dude, it's so good. And I think Tuesday is great. Um, I like Patricia too. I mean, Patricia was gorgeous, yeah. but Tuesday's great. And I, dude, it's at Lisa Wilcox. I'm always going to be team Lisa. She's great too. I just dude four. the scenes with Freddie are insane. They're so good. Four is the most fun one to watch. That's the most fun one to watch. The best one is part two. That's the scariest. 
It's one of the scariest 80s movies ever. But part four is so legitimately fun. It's undeniable how mm. good it is. It's like, I'm so, as she, and as I get older, it's so silly to hear, oh, but he gets resurrected by a dog getting pissed on. Yeah, you're watching a movie about a guy that lives in the dream world, but that but that's where you're going to draw a line of like silliness. It's like, yeah, but come do, on. Do they draw the same line when Jason gets struck by lightning and Jason lives? No. No, everybody loves Jason Lives, but yeah. he gets resurrected in corny ways too. I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's relative, though. People think lightning is a lot more badass than dog piss. Yeah, they're like, well, dog, <laughs> well, dog just, in fire. The, dog. Old, the older I get, the less I, I, the less I can be like, oh, I understand where you're coming from when I hear that kind yes. of stuff, which is you're, maybe the old man coming out of me. Yes, but. you're. As we get older, we look at things in the macro not the micro more. We don't yeah. nitpick those fucking things anymore. And if anything, the resurrection and Freddy and dream master tells you what kind of movie you're in for. It's MTV. It's crazy. Yes. It's zany. Like, Oh, Oh, you didn't know. You didn't know when the dog pissed fire. Like it, it, this is what you're and, here for. And look, okay. Let's talk about, if you want to get from that perspective, it's like, yeah, Freddie has a sense of humor in that movie. He was in charge of his own resurrection. Clearly. Yeah. That was him wanting to do that. You think the dog really possessed the power to resurrect Freddy? Are you fucking kidding me? And the fact that they named the dog Jason too is so demon funny. dog. Yeah, fucking, demon dog. They, they they brought Jason down to being a fucking dog. Like yeah. I think that's funny. You know what? For me personally, yeah, I love those jabs that they were giving each other in the eighties. Um, but for me personally, man, one of the biggest. I think Cardinal the sins that a nightmare on Elm street ever did was not showcasing, bring your daughter to the slaughter and dream child. It's, it's a part of the soundtrack. And I think the only time you hear it in the movie is in the background when they're at the pool party, if I'm not mistaken for, I no, that was, it's not that song. Cause I know this is going to sound pathetic. Cause I've literally stuck my head up to the speakers. The problem is I've got the soundtrack. I it's, it's far so five in the movie then. It's if it is, it's non. It's so non. It's so minute you can't tell. In the pool party, I've stuck my head up to the speakers. It's um. Hold on. I'll tell you. I, I forget the name of the song. But, uh, because that's a great song too. So you put Dream Warriors front and center, but not bring your daughter to the slaughter. Dude, the, the soundtrack to Five is religiously underrated. Yes. All right. So the name of the song is Heaven in the Backseat, Romeo's Daughter. Uh, if you listen to the song, you'll love it. It's great, but. That's what plays in the background of the pool party, but you really have to stick your head up to the speakers to really be able to get it. Mm -hmm. For some reason, the majority of the music in this, it's non-existent. It didn't make it in the movie, yeah. Uh, but the soundtrack's great. I mean, it's a great fucking soundtrack. Is it as good as 4? No. Is it? Is it close? Yes. And there's great hip hop on there. Great hip hop on there. Yeah, that's, but he that's, said has an incredible soundtrack too. Incredible. Yeah, it does. I was, I was actually just, I love the uh, the ending song. That's Goo Goo Dolls in uh, Freddy's Dead, right? Yeah, that the uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm awake now. That's what plays in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Oh, the, the beginning. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's so good. And the, Johnny the, Law. You can't so even good. make an argument for any like horror soundtracks over Nightmares '80s soundtracks. They were just. Oh, I'll 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 take a bullet for them. It's undeniable. Mm -hmm. I mean, they shaped my shaped the bands I listen to. So the effect Elm Street has on me, it's not just like the movies, dude. It's the music. It's everything. The pop culture of all of it. It's just, it's undeniable. It's so fucking undeniable, which well, is a shame because it's when I talk about it, it makes me sad. It's just like, 
we need more Elm Street in a sense because I, I never I don't think it would happen, but more movies means more stuff. And I want more stuff. I always want more stuff. I want I want more bobbleheads and I want more uh I want I want Freddy can openers and I want Freddy we need all I, more movies would make more stuff. So at a certain level, that's why I'm just like, okay, let's just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. You know, I, I never want to live in a world where I can't make like get little Freddy fucking snow globes and stuff. Like, yeah. Make yeah another movie. Did you see the uh, solar bobbleheads at spirit too? Yeah. I, I figured you'd get, I got, but here's the thing, Nick, those aren't new. I got, this is the, uh, the, yeah, this is so I got this at big lots. I had like, never seen those in my spirit until this year. Yeah, they you just I, I didn't think they would really work, but you yeah, you just fucking you, you stick it in the sunlight and eventually his his head starts moving on its own, which it already is because it's really bright in here. Mm-hmm. But his head naturally just bobbles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, man, controversial horror takes uh, out of the big three. What's the best remake and why? Honestly, I got to think you're going zombie. I was going to say, I wanted to say Friday the 13th, but after rewatching Rob Zombie's Halloween, I just think it's really good. I think it's really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, there. I actually do think it's a little bit long, though, to be honest with you. And I understand why, because he wanted to separate those two movies. And when he couldn't, he put them together. It's not even just that. It's the end. The third act draws way too long. Maybe oh, so. I'm crawling Maybe. through the walls. Now I'm in the ceiling. Now he's attacking the ceiling. Now I fall out of the ceiling. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's probably fair. No, I'm going to stick with Friday the 13th. I still really like it. Here's what I think about. Here's the thing. Elm Street is no, in my opinion, Elm Street is no more interesting to me in the bulk of its movie than Friday the 13th is. It had the potential. It definitely had the potential, but Friday the 13th has the clearly the best opening out of all three. And to me, that gives it. Without, yeah, without I love, I love Friday. Th- I know, I know you don't, and I get it. I really do oh, get it. 15 minutes though. I still think it's a really good movie. I think it's a really good remake. And Christian knows I, I gave it, I've given it multiple chances over the last couple of years. I just watched it a couple months ago and I was like live texting him. Like while was, he was like, I want you to like, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, as that's you're probably watching. longer than it's probably like over a year ago. At yeah, this it, point, it, honestly, probably it's been was. some time. Time flies. Well, yeah. The Reds just took the lead. Um, but like my, okay. For me, the best movie on a technical level of the three of the big three, it's Rob Zombie's Halloween. It just is. And I'm not even a huge fan of that movie, but uh, it dared to do something new. It, uh, it gave us at the time was my favorite Myers performance. Ty remains an, an, an animal. Like he's just incredible. There's so much about that movie. I, I love the fact that the second half of the, mo- the movie is a super stylized, a hyper stylized, fast paced remake. I mm-hmm. love that. Like, just get to the point. Like, that's great. I like that he tried something new. I, I think that that is, and Tyler Bates' score, although it's all the beats from Carpenter, I love his, like, there's this, like, it. it's almost like this, like, metallic kind of, like, there's to just me, this To me, it's, ha- it's like a haunted, broken, it's like a haunted dollhouse kind of sound yeah. to me. Yeah. It, it's, it's like broken keys on the keyboard and shit. Yeah. It's, it's really punchy. I really like Tyler Bates rendition of the themes in that movie, but the one I watched the most controversial order take it's nightmare. It's nightmare because I just think that I'm going to rewatch that one again and do a re-review of that too. You should. And and because 
as a as a nightmare fan too, maybe it would behoove some people to listen to you because you don't hate that movie. And so many people think that if if nightmare is your go-to, you've got to hate that movie, right? You gotta hate it. It's like, no, man, it's pretty inoffensive in what it does. Like, are some of the characters uninteresting? Yeah, sure. Is some of the CGI bad? Yeah, sure. But like when it's all said and done, like it, I mean, it's not offensive. Like, I just don't understand. I can't get behind that. Like, I I just, I think that it's the most infinitely rewatchable to me because I just, I have fun with it. And I think it is undoubtedly the the best to look at. That movie's cinematography, and I I know you hate that word, but like, but seriously though, I don't know shit about cinematography, but Samuel Bayer was a music video director and you can fucking tell in that movie, like the color palette and that, like, you go from scenes that are like red and green to like cold blue and orange and yellow. And I, I love the color palette in that movie. It's just, I think it's visually really appealing. And I just think that it's a fun movie. And I like some of the characters. Fucking Clancy Brown's great in it. Clancy's Fuck. great. I like the kid too. Uh, Quentin. Owner. Yeah, he's great. Here's the thing that Elm Street and Friday the 13th have over Halloween. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Halloween's inferior music wise because it is rehashing a lot of the stuff. But although the soundtrack is great, Kiss and, and Rush and all that, Steve Jablowski did some of the best music for those two movies with Friday. Dude, the main themes for Elm Street and Friday the 13th are fucking incredible. Yeah. I love this. So, so good. Mm-hmm. So Jablowski gets the edge for me over Tyler Bates. Although Tyler's great, but Jablowski mm-hmm. was so good for those two. And I listened, dude. I will. I have. I say I listened to them. I added those songs in my liked, like my liked playlist on Spotify. And when they play, sometimes I let it go. Oh, that yeah. Elm Street, that da, na, na, na. Uh, it's so Elm Street, but it's new. Mm-hmm. It's like the Ninja Turtle theme from 1990. It was a brand new song, but it was so Ninja Turtles. It was undeniable. That's how I feel about the music Jablowski did. So, I mean, so good. Can we agree on a technical level that out of the the three, I think Rob Zombies is probably the best technically? I don't know. You you made a pretty good argument for Elm Street technically. Uh, yeah, I, I actually did, didn't I? Yeah. I mean, I, if, if 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 we're if talking about if we're talking about looking at the films, yeah, yeah. aesthetically, that one. You, even if you hate that movie, do not sit here and lie to me and tell me that it's not beautiful to look at because it fucking is. Like it is, and it's a shame that Samuel Bayer didn't really do much after that because that movie was so maligned. It was only maligned because it was a Nightmare on Elm Street remake without Robert England. Like it was, it was bound to fail. Like too many people were not going to accept it without Robert, especially because at the time people were still holding out hope for Freddy versus Jason too, and Robert hadn't hung up the glove yet. So when this happened, people were like, "How dare you? How dare you desecrate Robert's memory?" Like, but dude, on a technical level, that movie is just chef's. I, I- yeah, I know. I think a lot of people are are not saying. I think they, I mean, there certainly are people that have allegiance to Robert. Some days I'm one of them, but I think a lot of people are not so cool anymore to be like Jackie was bad or anything. I, I think a lot of people don't like Rooney in the in the movie, and and I think the biggest thing is the fact that they didn't take a risk. It literally, I mean, it's not Psycho, but it's it's not too too far off. Not even the worst part, Christian. The worst part is they teased a risk. I know that's what th- watching it. I was like, you beautiful <laughs> bitches. I feel like that with Halloween ends though, dude. Like, and I got swear. I still like Halloween ends, but they did. They didn't say Corey might be a killer. Ah, just kidding. It's actually Michael. 
No, Halloween Ends did go that step. It did say it didn't let Corey carry the franchise, but it went that step. Nightmare. I, 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 I understand that, and I still think killing Corey at the movie at the end of the movie is fun. It's Halloween Ends. I expect it then, but for me, and this is this is the way I and you could say, well, Christian, really, that's not what it's about. And I understand, but the way I look at Halloween Ends, it's bigger than Michael. It's about what evil can do to people in a town and what happens. And for me, the, how that made it bigger than the character, which is sacrilege and why a lot of people don't like it. I get that. But for me, that meant killing Michael doesn't stop evil. It's now transferred to somebody else. And to me, that's what I, that would have been my version of that film. So it's, it's a bigger risk. It's, it's more of a step that they took. Yes. But dude, I will always lament that they didn't do that. Well, I, I guess I should just ask you then, do you think that's more of they wrote themselves into a corner saying this is Halloween ends, it's a trilogy capper, so it's got to be the end? Or do you think it's more of we know people are going to have a visceral reaction to this. We want to make this movie, but we know it's not going to go over well with a lot of people. I don't know which one it is. That's a good question. You got to ask yourself this as as the director and the writer of that. Are you thinking that or are you just thinking to yourself, let's make something after they've had let, let's OK, let's let's break this down for a second. We're not writers. OK, but let's just pretend we were. If you're writing movies for a franchise like that, I think the first thing that I would say is, OK, if we're going to do this, let's for for God's sakes, let's actually do something different. We can't please everybody anyway. Let's do something different. I feel like that's my first thing I'm saying. If you're directing it and I'm writing it, I feel like that's the first thing I say out loud. Mm -hmm. That's the first I, thing that comes to my mind. So then I agree. It's the former. It's not the latter. I don't think that they genuinely were thinking, fuck, man, people are going to hate this. Let's put it out there and run away. It's like I pulled a pen of the grenade and drop it and run. I don't think it was like that. I do genuinely believe David, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride were like, let's let's swing. Let's just fucking swing. Like, we can't win. 2018, yeah, it was well-received, but a lot of people bitched that it was too much of a rehash. Halloween Kills, we wanted to give you an ultra slasher. Half of the fan base said, fucking stupid. You got to give me some more substance than that. So let's swing. Let's just do something big and bold. It'll have its fans. It'll piss people off. But at this point, we've tried two different approaches, and it's pissed people off. So let, like, let's just do it. And so I think it was the former. They wrote themselves into a corner saying that it was a trilogy capper from the very beginning. So it was like, this is the last one. Blumhouse was only in till that movie. They were gone after that. John Carpenter was only in for that movie. Jamie Lee was only in for that until that movie. So yeah. they knew, well, fuck, like we really want to do this and we're going to swing for it, but we have to wrap it up. We have already sold this as the end. It's the yeah. fucking title. But it, it, had they not sold it as Halloween ends, if it had a different title, guarantee you Corey lives. Guarantee if it had a different, it had a different title, it would have been an A24 film. Yeah, and that's, people that's might not have revered a, that's it more. Not a, that's not a conversation we're ready to have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that, now that's how you piss people off. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's just like in I think in horror nowadays, you there's there's a thank God the dislike button doesn't exist. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it exists, but you can't see it. Um this is you know what the truth is, people? This is the locker room talk episode. I, I don't know what else to call it. You want to know how I really feel about shit? You want to know how Nick really feels about shit? Like, this is the locker. This is the most Howard Stern episode we've ever done. Old yes. school Howard Stern. Yes. And, and like, so, I mean, keep your comments. Understand that this is literally no, Nick, us venting about a lot of things. I'm like, a Nick, I'm blocking you from replying to comments on this one because my hope is that I get more shit than you. 
you won't. I mean, we started it out with me saying Dr. Sleep Look, was look at Christian going for it, man. Yeah, I mean, like, but it is. It, this is literally like our safe space episode where it's like, you know what? Just say how you feel. Like, just say how you feel. And like, I will. And yeah, I just, I, I don't want to keep going back to ends because it's just, it just opens up the door. We've talked about I, I it to I, death. But I know, but I just rewatched it. I did a video on it. I don't mind discussing it because it's fresh I just, in my mind. I think that aside from Halloween ends, there's, there are three movies in the hollow, four movies in the Halloween franchise after the original that I think swung for the fucking fences, whether you loved them or not. Halloween three, Halloween six. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, Halloween Ends. Those are the four movies that I think really just said, fuck it. I agree. And guess what? I love all four of them. And to some fans, they don't understand that because they're like, how though? It's, it's a bastardization of the original. How can you do that? And it's like, the way I put it best is, the original exists. It's never going to get touched again. It's never going to get topped. You're never going to replicate that again. It exists. They created a blueprint. Now, what can you do to spice it up without just giving me copy-paste? Halloween 4 is a fan favorite. You want to know why? Because it's a fucking rehash of the first movie. As years go on, I start to fall out of love with 4. I really, really do. I still think it's a good movie. But it does not age like some movies in that series where it's like, okay, yeah, it's solid. They're hitting a lot of the same beats. Cool. Like, but... The movies that I just just grow in love for as the years go on are the movies that were like, yeah, so we have this guy in this white mask and he has a knife and he wants to kill people. But like, what if we did this weird shit with it? And I'm like, I just, and I get, my my younger brother made a comment to me months ago. Fuck that guy. Yeah, I know, he's a dick. And he was like, he, he texted me after, I can't remember what movie it was, Scream 6. And he said he hated it. I was like, ah, oh, dude, that sucks. I love it. He's 19, mind you guys. And uh, he was like, that's the target demographic for that movie. I know. Though. And he came for me, like basically saying, ooh, uh, <laughs> he came at me basically <laughs> saying, I, I know, right? Dude, that was awful wording. <laughs> <laughs> he came at me saying like, dude, you, he's like, you just, you just want to be different. And I'm like, people, listen, everybody loves right now, fix, though. <laughs> let me just say, do you honestly think I want to accept a lifestyle where I like things that are controversial so I can get your fucking death threats and your trolling on social media. No, I cannot help that my brain is wired sometimes. Maybe it's the underdog mentality. I don't know what it is. I went into Halloween ends expecting to hate it. Christian fucking knows that. I talked about it on the podcast. I loved it. Like, I don't want to like the black sheep. It's not something I, I mean, there are some black I, sheep I, I don't I am, like. I think I'm guilty of that. I, but I, I'm really not because it, it's exhausting to feel that way and then put your opinions out on social media and get fucking railroaded. Not like you're going to change my mind. You will not change my mind, but it's exhausting. I don't want to argue with people over it. It's just my opinion, man. Like, yours. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. So, like, that, yeah, don't ever for a second think that that's a conscious decision I make. Like, you just want to be different. No, I fucking don't. I mean, I am different inherently. I have been my whole life. It's not something that I strive for. It's just me. Um, but yeah, forgive me for liking when people take a fucking 50-year-old franchise and go, you know what? Let's get weird. With that being said, 
the last uh the last jedi is fucking terrible dude it's not it's really not <laughs> it's really not he's not even in he's fucking sitting on his ass the whole movie it's I I, ass the whole I, have, movie. I have met people halfway. I totally understand why some people hate it. I really, really do. It's not the Luke Skywalker they grew up with. It's not the way they would have taken the story. Absolutely. Is that the issue? Okay, look, here's the thing. I'm really yes, it's, it's all about it's all about the handling of Luke. Well, they, what I was going to say, do you think the argument of you grew up, but Star Wars doesn't, and that's your problem? Is the movie still made for kids? The Last Jedi? The Star Wars movies. Uh, Rise of Skywalker was because it was just a popcorn fest that really made no sense. But aren't they it, aren't they movies made for kids, or is that not fair to say? I, I don't think the live action movies are. Kids loved them, but I I don't think they were geared toward children. The Phantom Menace probably, um, The Force Awakens to a degree, and Rise of Skywalker, yes. But the Last Jedi was the Last Jedi was made by an auteur, like a person that was like, y'all have seen the same shit seven fucking times now. Like seven times at some point, can we break the mold a little bit? Like the argument for the last Jedi against it is it's not Luke Skywalker. Luke would not have gone into hiding and not helped the galaxy when the first order rose up and wanted to kill everyone. He wouldn't have done that. That's not Luke from the original trilogy. He would have fought them. It, even if it was just him and an X-Wing. By himself, he would have fought them. Guess what? Luke Skywalker grew up when a lot of people that watched Luke Skywalker didn't. He's got great lines in The Last Jedi. When Rey is talking to him about it, he literally says, what, do you, what did you think I was going to do? Take on the whole fort First Order with a laser sword? He literally says that. And he's right. Like... You think one man was going to be able to topple that? No. It, the only there was no resistance anymore. There was, but it was they were stretched out across the galaxy, bro. It wasn't like when it was the rebellion. Like and Luke went into hiding because his fucking nephew that he was training killed all of his Jedi and destroyed his temple. Luke felt like a failure. He felt like he was doing more damage to the Jedi order than rebuilding it. So I know this is going to get the most comments out of anything. I know it is. I'm getting, I'm getting really if nerdy about it. This, if they've made uh, it this far, dude, this, I'm not looking at these comments, but I, I promise you, I won't. He, he felt like, yeah, I mean, he, he felt like he, he let everybody down. He let the galaxy down and he felt responsible for the first order rising. And because of that, one man alone wasn't going to be able to stop something that was bigger than the empire ever was. Because even in the original trilogy, Luke wasn't alone. There was the rebellion. Like, so yeah, long story short, yes, kind of what you said. Luke Skywalker grow up, grew up, but the people that watched him didn't. And it's evident. Like, it's evident. Like, they just, they wanted the same thing. They wanted their 70-year-old superhero to go out there with his lightsaber and take on an entire fucking empire. And it's okay. just not realistic. And to have no guilt about his nephew betraying him and killing all of his younglings. Like, you no know, guilt at all. And you know what happens when you put a 70-year-old man in a leading movie and wonder what the reception's like? Look at the newest Indiana Jones film. Yep. But, look, long story short, uh, at the end of the day, I still don't know why so many people are so against it because at the end of the day, dude, he, he does redeem himself. He distracts the First Order 
so the resistance can get away. He and, and it ends up killing him, but he does do it. So like, yes, for two hours of the movie, he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Fuck that. That's stupid. I'm, I'm responsible for this anyway. Have you no shame? Have you never done something in your life where something really bad happened because of it? And you were like, dude, that's my fucking fault. No. What do you do? What do you? Yeah, you have. We all have. <laughs> and what do you do when that happens? Act uh, like I didn't do anything. Yeah, I didn't do anything. I'm just going to fade into the background now. But, and that's human nature. But when they're, when they're, you know, their ideologue, their God with his laser sword does it. Fuck you. I want what I saw when I was 12. No, fuck you. Grow the fuck up. I think, I think a lot of people do though. Yeah. Why do you, well, why do you think that that's why people keep wanting the same Halloween again? Yeah. And, and it's the same reason I don't want the same shit again. I grew up on this shit too. I dude, there was a fucking rock quarry right next to my neighborhood when I was a kid and me and my best friends, we had plastic lightsabers and we would go there and pretend it was Mustafar from Revenge of the Sith at the end. And like we were fighting lightsabers. I fucking loved it, dude. Like that shit was my childhood. But as an adult, my priorities and my view on things had changed. And if Star Wars just gave me the same regurgitated shit, like you thought you wanted that. And then the Rise of Skywalker came out and a lot of people were like, eh, that was kind of mid. Yeah, because it gave you what you all complained about. The same thing. And then you complained about that. God forbid movies take risks. I've gone on this rant way too many times before. Oh, I'm going to get roasted in the fucking comments, but you know who won't roast me? Mark. Saturn video. He loves The Last Jedi. You're a real one, Mark. We want to thank you for listening to episode <laughs> 106 of the Anita Horror Podcast. If you've made it this far, I really appreciate it. Thank you for slagging and subscribing. Thanks for not having my back, Christian. You you just intentionally are setting me up like, all right, guys, and you said, going to the comments. You said it. You said it, brother. Um, this was a fun episode, guys. If you enjoyed it, please let me know down in the comment section below. Please drop a like if you enjoy the episode. If you're listening, I hope you didn't crash. And Nick, anything else? You're Dude, good. I, I kind of don't want this episode to drop. We love you. And we'll see you on episode 107. Just.